Hey, what is up, y'all? Welcome back to Real Talks, PT School and Beyond. Real Talks about the victories, the struggles, and all the experiences that make up the journey to becoming a doctor of physical therapy. In this episode, my classmate shares his remarkable journey to PT school. A former firefighter on the California coast, he shares some incredible stories and the wisdom that he picked up along the way. This was a super awesome conversation, so stay tuned. I hope you enjoy. All right, welcome back to Real Talks. I got a very special guest with me today. I'm super excited to hear this guy's story. I have Mr. Josh Branshaw with me today. Josh, how are you doing? Doing all right. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. So Josh is a classmate of mine at AT Still University, and I've actually had the opportunity to do a lot of group work with Josh. And so I'm super excited to just hear your backstory today. Yeah, and so it's going to be good. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, okay, let's just get started with where you're from and where you grew up. So I I'm originally from California, uh, more specifically California's Bay Area. Uh, if you know where Oakland, Berkeley, those kind of bigger cities are, I'm like 15, 20 minutes east of there is where I grew up. Yeah. So once I graduated high school in that area, I decided to go to a junior college. I knew I wanted to actually go into firefighting, not mm. physical therapy. And so I knew that like education is important and that I wanted to get a bachelor's degree. But for firefighting, you don't actually need a bachelor's. So mm. It's not even on like the minimum requirements when you go to apply or interview or any of that sort of stuff. So I just knew that I wanted to get a bachelor's and, you know, better myself education wise. So I, I went to junior college to start off just to knock out all the, you know, the, um, and like the general education requirements. Totally. Then I went to, uh, Cal Poly in San Luis Obispo. It's, a uh, California Polytechnic State University, mm-hmm. uh, where I studied kinesiology. Nice. Um, yeah, it was just something that, you know, I, I'd always been into sports. Um, I always liked fitness, health, all that sort of thing. And I thought that it was a good pairing with firefighting because to be a firefighter, you also need to know the human body so you can run the medical calls, be an mm-hmm. EMT. Some firefighters are even paramedics and do all that. So, uh, yeah, I went to Cal Poly did the the whole kinesiology thing. Yeah. And while I was there, I, I also got my, my EMT license, um, like during my second year there. And okay. yeah, once I graduated with my bachelor's in 2013 and then decided to, you know, start working as an EMT and from there went into a fire Academy and then okay. got hired on as a firefighter after that. I did that for about five years before I realized that it wasn't really what I wanted to do with my life. Like it, it was a fun job and it was exciting, like yeah. very exciting, kind of wild, sure. <laughs> definitely, definitely wild at times. But in terms of my interactions with, with people and patients, it wasn't really what I wanted to do. And then in terms of like my personal life, like seeing myself with a future family and all that, it wasn't, didn't quite hit you know, check all the boxes of totally. what I wanted in my life. So totally um, decided to make a change, started exploring other options. And um, like I had some friends who were either in physical therapy school or had just graduated from it. And they said to check it out. Plus uh, back when I was at Cal Poly, uh, I had an internship doing cardiopulmonary rehabilitation. And nice. I just remember that experience and loving it. So kind of just pushed me towards physical therapy and uh, I started observing, started volunteering. And then when I was making that transition uh, from fire to physical therapy, I got a job as a inpatient rehabilitation tech. So uh, that kind of brings me up to, you know, applying to PT school and all that. Yeah. Okay. So that's a, that's a lot of stuff that took place. Yeah. Just it's, a, it's a lot to digest. Yeah. yeah. No. So let's, let's go back to 
what was the first like what first made you want to become like a firefighter like what was what was that what drew you to that yeah so a, a few things um i back in high school i took an anatomy and physiology course as kind of an elective and i absolutely loved it and that actually kind of pushed my interest towards healthcare and you know you know, I'm in high school, so I don't really know what I want to do with my life, but I'm, I'm thinking, you know, maybe doctor, maybe like nurse practice, you know, something along mm-hmm. those lines. And my senior year of high school, it was actually the only year that they offered this course, but they had an elective that was an emergency medical services, like ROP class. Wow. That's cool. Um, like the perfect, like the professor left the next year. So they were only able to offer it like for my senior year. Dang. Um, but that introduced me to emergency medical services. Yeah. And uh, I just fell in love with it because like we had all the equipment, we had like gurneys, we had, you know, like all the wow. stretchers, we had like all the things that, you know, you come up on a scene and you would use in your actual profession. Um, and yeah, it was, it was a really good introduction to that class. So then uh, from there I started trying to shadow and like observe actual firefighters. Like one of my friends growing up, his dad was a fire captain at one of the local departments. So I just Mm kind of do ride alongs and that sort of thing. And I just, I just loved it. That's awesome. And like, if you think about it, like firefighters and EMTs and like, that's really like the, like first responders in general is like, that's like all tied into like the healthcare system, you know, because Mm -hmm. like they're the ones who are like the immediate response and then they take them to the hospital or whatever. And I know firefighters are super involved in that process too. So that's crazy. Is you, you, so you got your foot, you knew you were interested in health in general. And then you're, and then you got this introduction into like first responder type of action. And then, okay. So you were going through, you said you went into junior college right after mm-hmm. high school. Yeah. And so what were you, were you doing stuff uh, for firefighting at that time? Uh, not, not necessarily. I was, I was still like keeping up with all the certifications that you need in terms of like your CPR and, um, going and doing ride alongs and that sort of thing, trying to, you know, keep my, keep my foot in the door. Yeah. But I w- all my classes were just geared towards that general education to, to start to work towards that four year bachelor's degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause like my, my goal at that time when I was at the junior college was like, get in those two years uh, transfer somewhere and then, you know, get my bachelor's and get out. Yeah. Save some money too, while you're at it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, uh, this might date me a little bit, but, uh, I think a unit when I first started, it was like $24 per unit. Nice. You know, at the junior college versus like thousands of dollars, you know, at a four year. Yeah. Dang. Especially I know California schools are like pretty expensive too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Dang. Okay. So you, you, you were going and you knew that you wanted to pursue kinesiology. Um, mm-hmm. What, what, what was it that made you want to pursue that as well? I, uh, quite a few things. Like one, I, I grew up playing, you know, five different sports. So I knew that I loved the athletic aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Um, my, I have an older sister and she is an athletic trainer. And so she studied kinesiology and I just remember her coming back from her classes when she was going through the program. Uh, and she'd like work on my sports injuries. And I was nice. like, this is so cool. Can that is cool. I, I, I want to learn this too. And yeah, so it's kind of just like that, that combination of really enjoying athletics and fitness and health. And then also like having, um, you know, someone in my family who's also, you know, studied the same thing and just seeing how, how much they enjoyed it and how beneficial it is for, you know, the things that I wanted to do. Totally. Totally. That's awesome. And so, okay. So after you did your two years at the community college, you said you transferred to what, what school was it that you transferred to? Uh, Cal Poly. It's in San Luis Obispo, California. Okay. And then what was that experience like? You see, you were, you were just pursuing your kinesiology degree, but you still had that plan of wanting to be a firefighter. Yeah. So those years, I actually lost my focus a little bit. Not gonna mm. lie, because uh, you know it's. You know, I I remember listening to to your story uh, and on your podcast, and you saying that you know it's that first taste of freedom, right? Oh yeah. Uh, 
And yeah, so I, I was going to school. I had this, this idea in mind to be a firefighter. Right. And so uh-huh. like kinesiology, yeah, it was fun. I enjoyed it. It was topics that I enjoyed learning about, but you know, the social part was more important to me, you know? So I feel you. Like I, I kind of lost my, my focus in terms of the education side of things, but mm-hmm. I still, I still learned a lot through that program. Like there, there were some courses that were very applicable to what I wanted to do as a firefighter. Like I took, um, like EKG, which firefighters set that up all the time. And so mm-hmm. like knowing that more in depth than, uh, like the people that I worked with or, you know, it was really good to have that experience uh, of that undergrad degree. Um, but yeah, def- definitely didn't focus on the education as much at that time. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, once I got through it and I got onto the next stage, you know, uh, to the fire academy aspect, which I'm sure we'll get there in a minute, but that's when, you know, that, you know, that mentality switched and it was like, okay, game face, I got to get, uh, I gotta know all these things, boom, 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 and let's 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 do this. Totally, totally. Um, yeah, I can definitely relate to that. And maybe like kind of what I'm getting from your story is that you you had this, you had your plan of you wanted to be a firefighter, and like you were getting your degree, but it was not really. You had this other plan that you wanted to do, so the degree was kind of just like okay, like I'll just get through this, but I'm really trying to do this over here, so you didn't have that like internal drive. Yeah, exactly. Um, like in retrospect, that's definitely not the way I would want to do it. Totally. <laughs> for, for those of you who are, you know, listening, who are like in undergrad or anything like that, don't, don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> Just, that's, that's not the way to do it. Cause yes, like learn from there, our mistakes. There, there are so many things that I could have done in undergrad that would have set me up so much better for, you know, what I'm doing now and so many more experiences that I could have, you know, gleaned from that undergrad experience. Totally. Um, like right now I'm, I don't regret what I did because, you know, it was, it was fun at the time. It seems logical, uh-huh. um, but like in retrospect, there's definitely things that you could do differently that would make more sense to where you are right now in, in this time of your life, you know? So Totally. Totally. I feel that you, you, there's always things you can look back on and just be like, you know, probably, you probably should have done this instead of doing what I was doing, but yeah, that's yeah. uh that's life, honestly. And that's like, that's why it's like, when I see people that are like young and getting mm-hmm. into like knowing exactly what they want to do and like going right into PT school out of undergrad, like right on like that perfect timeline or whatever, it's like mm-hmm. props to you for like, having it figured out at that young age, because like it took me some time to yeah, absolutely. figure it out, you know, like yeah. outside of school, it's like, cause you're, you're trying to, cause you're growing as a person, you know? So it's like, not only you're trying to navigate school, but you're trying to navigate life itself. And like, exactly. that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother class of its own. <laughs> it's like just yeah. figuring that out. Um, but yeah. Okay. So you, so you got your, you graduated the kinesiology degree and then you, did you go right into the fire academy after that? Uh, no, I didn't. I, so I graduated in July of 2013 with my bachelor's degree. Okay. And I, from there till the next January. So January, 2014, I okay. worked as an EMT. Um, oh, okay. it wasn't anything crazy. It wasn't, it wasn't like a, um, advanced life support unit or anything. It was, it was basically life support. So I was basically, um, like transferring patients between different like care facilities or hospital visits, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, so it wasn't, it wasn't as like glamorous as you might see on TV, Sure, um, but it was still like really good time getting patient contact because regardless of how severe, you know, the patient's condition is like, you're still Mm -hmm. doing vitals every time you're still doing like the body charts every time you're doing totally. notes every time. So like, it's still a really good experience. Yeah. Um, but I was doing that for, you know, a couple of months leading up to when I got into the fire Academy, which was yeah. January, 2014. And then Were that there, ended uh, May, 2014. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
were there any experiences that really stood out in that like short amount of time? Like any moments were, or like patient interactions where you're like, whoa, like. Uh, not, not really. It's just more so um, like that feeling of trying to figure out how to deal with difficult patients. Mm. You know, Cause like some patients were just, you know, hunky dory. You could, you could talk to them like yeah. really easily. And they were just like, letting you do whatever you needed to, but you know, the ones that start to get a little combative or like don't want to be there, start cussing you out, like that sort of thing. Like it's, those are the moments that, you know, you, you just try to figure out like, what, what do I need to do for the patient's best interest? But what can I also do to like, make sure that I, as the, you know, the person taking care of this person don't get, you know, like injured or assaulted, totally. or, you know, any of those kinds of things. So, yeah. Yeah. Just like, it's like those, uh, those soft skills that you learn, like just yeah. like dealing with people, you know? Um, yeah. I'm sure you guys gained a lot of experience <laughs> from that. Um, yeah. Okay. So, and then, okay. So now we're at the point where you're starting at the fire Academy in January of 2014. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Tell us about that. That, that was, that was tough. Like I, I bet like com- comparative to where I'm now in physical therapy school, it was, it was nothing. But oh, like at that time in my life, that was so difficult because let's see, we started with 53 people. Um, it's run like a paramilitary boot camp essentially. Totally. So we're, we're learning all the academic side uh, of things and having three to five tests every Tuesday. Um, and on top of that, then we're doing all of the actual, you know, physical training on top of that. So first thing in the morning, we're, you know, in the gym or running or everything. Yeah, and then, I bet. you know, for the, the early to middle part of the day, we're, you know, in the classroom, just like nose in the books all day long. And mm-hmm. then at the end of the day, we're out on the training grounds doing all like the, the fire skills. And there were just so many different ways that you could fail out. Like Dang. we had, we had on uniforms, we had to like polish our boots, like, um, make sure that like our, our tie clips had to be like the right angle and all these different, like wow. very attention to detail, you know, things. Um, and there's just so many different ways that you could fail out. I think 17 people failed out by the time that we finished. Dang. Um, yeah. So yeah, it was, it was pretty intense. Uh, like just the the physicality of it at that time it was pretty academically rigorous mm-hmm. but again it's nothing compared to <laughs> physical yeah. therapy academics but totally it's still it's still just a lot of information all at once yeah I, also i feel like the the physical aspect of the firefighter training is like just like makes it that much more intense too you know yeah yeah definitely so okay so how long was the fire academy program how long did that take uh it was about five months five months yeah okay. and yeah, then five so- months uh I, I mean it's been a quite a few years but i, I believe yeah. we started at 7 a.m and ended usually around 3 or 4 p.m okay you know, depending on the day so it was, it was basically working you know a full full job doing that yeah like did you were you living on site or were you did you like have your own place and you drove there every day or uh, i had my own place and uh, so they, it was actually a fire academy that was run through a junior college um, okay. up, up in like the Chico area of California. Mm-hmm. Um, so I lived about 15, 20 minutes away from like the training grounds. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it wasn't too bad of a, a commute or anything in terms of that. Nice. Yeah. How, how did it feel once you were finally finished with the fire academy? Oh, it felt so good. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, uh, mini, mini accomplishment, you know, on to the next thing. Totally. Um, so yeah. Well, what did you do after that? Did you just start working or what? Uh, it actually took me a while to find a job. Like I, I graduated really high in my graduating class. Um, mm-hmm. but it, it took me a long time to, you know, to get a job. Like I see so we graduated in May. I was nonstop applying for departments and interviewing and all the things that you're supposed to. Mm-hmm. And I didn't get picked up anywhere until like September, October of yeah. that, that same year. So like a good, yeah. 
five to six more months, you know? Dang. Um, and that wasn't even for like a full-time position. It was a firefighter reserve position where oh, wow. you're working, you're working full-time. Like it was a, a 48 hour on 96 hour off rotation, mm-hmm. but you're getting paid like $50 a day kind of thing. Like, Dang. because they're, they're basically just hiring you as, you know, you're getting experience. We, our department doesn't have the money to really pay you full time, mm-hmm. but it's kind of a, we help you, you help us kind of thing. Totally. Um, so did that for like five, six months. And then I got picked up with Cal fire, which is the the biggest department in California. Nice. Um, it's actually one of the biggest in the United States um, after like New York. And I think, I think Boston's the other big one. Mm-hmm. Nice. Dang. That's so you finally got a job working with them like mm-hmm. full, full time, like you're fully yeah. in it. Yeah. What was that like? Uh, <laughs> that was, <laughs> that was an experience. Uh, so uh, for those of you who don't know about Cal Fire, Cal Fire, um, it's very dependent on which unit you're with and which de- like station you're at uh, mm-hmm. in terms of the kinds of calls that you run. Cause there's, uh, you know, the typical firefighter stuff, you know, structure fires, mm-hmm. uh, vehicle accidents, uh, medical aids, uh, wildland fires. Like there's, there's yeah. a huge gamut of things that you could get called to and Cal Fire, depending on, um, where it is geographically in California, they'll, they'll tend to be more wildland versus more like urban, uh, structure fire. And mm-hmm. so even though we run everything, like we respond to everything, uh, the place that I was, uh, was more conducive to the, the wildfire, uh, fires. Wow. Um, so I went on a lot of those. If you, if you ever watched the news of California, like during the summer, um, from 2015 to 2018 like there's a good bet that i was on at least one at least one but probably more that's crazy of those fires yeah yeah california has like every summer it's like so many wildfires and like even yeah there's a bunch i remember i don't i can't remember which year it was but like i just remember like it was like right next to a highway Mm -hmm. like there was just like a picture of cars driving and like the background, like literally everything is on fire. And like, yeah. it looked like, honestly, it looked like they were driving through hell or something. Like it was yeah. really there's crazy. Sometimes picture. where like, there's sometimes it felt like that, but I mean, that's, that's part of that job, you know? Yeah. So you, okay. So you were primarily just like dealing with like more like of those types of fires. Yeah. So, uh, in my immediate response area, um, I, I worked on the Mendocino coast. So Mendocino is okay. just North of the Bay area, uh, in California. And, uh, like that area is, uh, we call it the WUI. So the wildland urban interface, uh-huh. like W-U-I. Okay. So yeah. Um, and so there's like, there's definitely houses and residents out in that area, but it's also pretty, pretty wildland. Like there's a lot of vegetation all over the place. Yeah. Um, so we, we did like in my immediate response area, we did run a lot of medical aids and a lot of traffic collisions. Cause also going through that area is California's highway one, which mm-hmm. if you've ever been on it, it's a one, one lane highway, yeah. that's super windy <laughs> and like, it's, it's a horrible road, but it's a lot of yeah. fun to drive. I'll say that it is fun to drive. Totally. Great um, views. Yeah. Uh, but it's also really dangerous. So we got a lot of traffic collisions on that. We, we did a lot of medical aids, but beyond that, we did a lot of wildland fires. I did go on some structure fires, but those were, those were the exception, not the rule in terms of the calls that we went on. Mm-hmm. Okay. So like, what was, what was like the scariest experience that you ever had working as a firefighter? Ooh. Ooh. Um, so in my last year, we were on this fire. Honestly, it's been so long. I don't remember the name of the fire, but basically we were at the bottom of a canyon on the road and our assignment was to stop this insane fire from like jumping the road that we were on to get onto the other side of the canyon, which 
like it's really hard to describe but mm-hmm. if you've been there it, it it was like you're giving us an impossible assignment in a very dangerous location totally there's like when we first got there all you could see was just like the smoke coming up over the hill on the side mm-hmm. that the fire was on but then you look to the other side and it's just dense vegetation oh it's like dead dry like just ready to catch. all these all these things that shout out to like this is a bad situation right mm-hmm. and we're there you know on standing on the road you know with with our fire hose and all of our gear just like watching for embers to like come so we can put them out um before they like start to take off right Dang. and then you start to see the smoke build even more and even more and then you start to see you know the first inkling of the fire come up over the ridge on the, on the on the side that it's coming up and like then it then it hits and you see these trees that are like eight, 60, 80 feet tall and the flame length is you know one and a half to two times that height just like oh my god over this ridge coming coming down kind of at you and something about fire and firefighting especially wilderness firefighting is you don't want to be in a canyon with fire because it's going to have kind of a chimney effect and the fire is going to shoot through that area. Oh, wow. So you don't really want to like be in the position that we were in. Yeah. And uh, another thing about fire is that it can actually create its own weather. So if you ever see like YouTube videos of like fire tornadoes, uh, uh, yeah. fire, fire whirls, like, yeah. So I had never seen those in person until that day. Like it oh was my that gosh. intense that we were actually seeing like multiple fire whirls, like spinning, coming down this hillside towards us. And like all of a sudden, just the, the wind started kicking up down that, uh, down that Canyon at us like so hard that it, it knocked one of my uh, coworkers, like entire helmet, like flew off. Oh my and gosh. Like my, I had a, a shroud on. It's like the face covering that you see wildland firefighters wear. Mm-hmm. And like, that's, it's just Velcro, but it's still, it's pretty sturdy Velcro. And yeah, the wind was so strong. It ripped that off my face. Wow. And like, yeah, it was pretty intense. Like we, we all just like gave up on it and had to run back to our engine just, you know, to make sure we were safe. Yeah. And the, the smoke and all the debris and stuff that the wind was causing, like you can't see 10 feet in front of the engine. So like driving through there was also pretty hazardous. That's yeah, we were all just like, we were all just bunkered down in our engine, getting prepared to pull our, um, our uh, fire blankets, like the, you know, those things that look like tinfoil. Mm-hmm. Like we were all just like getting ready to, to pull those in the engine just in case. Yeah. It was, it was that bad. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. But fortunately, like we were able to, like our, our captain who was driving, I was able to navigate out pretty well. So we were able to get to like a little bit of a clearing where, you know, we just kind of hunkered there and made sure that, you know, the fire passed through. And then we kind of went back in and tried to clean up what we could after that. But yeah, that was a, it was a pretty intense moment. Yeah, man, that is crazy. Like at that point, you're not, you're not even trying to like fight the fire. You're just trying to like prevent nope. like, the worst situation you're trying to just do your best to manage whatever you can exactly that's that's so crazy wow yeah probably picked up a lot of uh a lot of good lessons in just like dealing with stress maybe (laughs) like yeah yeah yeah. that's crazy probably Dang. Okay. So that was, okay. So that was your scariest moment. What was like, did you have any moments like maybe with like when you had to like, like more urban calls when you were working with a patient or someone and did you have any like moments that really stood out to you in like in that setting? Um, I think this is a, a slightly different setting than what you're trying to get at, but probably the one that sticks out the most to me um, in a positive way. Mm-hmm. Um, so after this one fire went through and it actually burned down uh, a bunch of homes and things like that, um, one of the roles of a firefighter is to like actually go back and help residents kind of repopulate the area 
Um, okay. And that can take a few different forms. It can take like, you can be the one um, like letting people into the area, like systematically so they can get to their places, or you can actually be at the people's residences and like help them sift through like wow. the rubble to like try to find things. Mm-hmm. And I just remember, I even wrote about this in one of my PT essays. Uh, nice. it just It just hit me that, that hard um, was we were helping sift through the rubble of this one family's house. And the guy, all he wanted to do was find his wife's engagement ring. Uh, if they could find the wedding ring and, uh, he actually had a family member who, uh, was part of like the Cubs world series, like way, way back. One of the Mm. earliest world series rings, Mm -hmm. um, and wanted to find that ring, uh, in the rubble. Wow. And like, we, we got there around like nine in the morning and we were there till, you know, all day, (laughs) like late and started to get dark. Um, and we were just like sifting through all the rubble, just trying to find these three, uh, like they're metal. So fire comes through, it's just going to melt. It's going to be a a glob of metal. Right. So we're just trying to find the, trying to find these three globs of metal Mm -hmm. in like the general location of where he said that they should have been. And like, we were able to find what we think was the engagement ring and wow. Nice. And like this huge hunk of gold, which was the World Series ring, because those things are pretty giant. Yeah. Um, but like we were able to find those and just seeing like the, you know, the joy on this man's face, you know, like he he didn't have anything, like his house had burned down, mm-hmm. but like he had these these memories like of his his family member and of his wife and like these these little hunks of metal, like just brought him to tears and like it brought most of us to tears too because it was just like such a touching moment of you know hey we weren't able to prevent the fire but we were able to affect this this guy and like make him you know a little happier uh try to give him a little bit more peace of mind that sort of thing and it was it was a pretty pretty amazing moment wow yeah that's a man that's a great story that's uh that's really crazy that you guys were able to find that and yeah, man, I'm sure that was a super powerful moment. I mean, this guy just lost his house and to find just like a small little item, but that was that had like so much significance behind it. Like, that's really cool. Yeah, yeah definitely. Okay, so you had a lot of experiences like firefighting. Um, when, when, when did you start to shift towards, okay, I'm kind of, when did you start shifting towards physical therapy? Uh, so my second to last year of firefighting, so 2017 ish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So around, around 2017, um, I felt like I was not necessarily getting complacent, but I was starting to get maybe a little jaded might not be the right word, but I was starting to get, you know, kind of, uh, curmudgeon you know, the old salt, salty is a good word. I was starting to get a little salty yeah. uh, with, with firefighting. Cause like, okay. as amazing as it is, there's also a lot that seems like BS. Totally. Uh, because uh, as rewarding as it is to fight fire, help people do all these like kind of high adrenaline, like fun things that are also really helpful for people. Mm-hmm. You also don't have any autonomy. Like mm. it's firefighting is very paramilitary. Yeah. And so like, there's a hierarchy that you have to adhere to. Like I remember I got off duty, like we we would run three days in a row. So 72 hour shift and Mm -hmm. then we'd get uh, 96 hours off. So we get four days off. Okay. And I remember getting home from a, from a shift and looking at my voicemail and it was my captain saying, Hey, really sorry, but you got to come back in. Oh, geez. Like the California is in a state of emergency now and we were calling everyone back. Dang. just for like added reference, uh, I lived four hours away. Oh my God. So, cause like I, I still lived in the Bay area. I was saving money. I was staying with my, my family uh-huh. and the place that I worked was, it was four hours up on the Mendocino coast. So like 
I had just finished driving four hours back and was Jeez. and looked at my phone, saw this voicemail saying, Hey, you got to come back. And I don't have a say, you know, the, the only times that you have a say is if you're, you're injured, mm-hmm. um, or like this didn't really happen that often, but some people would say that they were inebriated. Like if they oh. you know, just gotten off of like a shift and they're, they were like starting to day drink or like yeah. drink at the end of a night or that sort of thing. But that, that wasn't me at that stage in my life. So that wasn't hey, me. You should have just, should have just chugged <laughs> a bunch of beers, bro. And yeah. then use that Some, excuse. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> no, so, uh, so yeah, it was like, there, there are things like that. And then also, um, when you're out on those wildfires, like what, what's nice is if they can get you off after two weeks. So like you start, wow. you start one of those campaigns and then you you do two weeks and then they try to get you off to like get some rest and recovery, even if that means just going back to the station and like doing station work versus being out on a fire. Cause like when you're out on a fire, you're like camping out there. Really? Like, yeah. What do um, they set you up with? Like tents or like uh so they they do like a um to 24 on 24 off type of schedule so you mm-hmm. you work on the fire line for 24 hours so for that 24 hours you kind of just sleep in the dirt you sleep on the engine totally like, like if uh, you're even able to sleep huh yeah if you're able to like yeah there, there's there's a lot of times where you're just getting like maybe 15 minutes and then you gotta work and then you get a little bit of a lull you get another 15 to half hour um that sort of thing but uh and then for the other 24 your 24 rest uh you get to go to like a, a really cheap hotel oh, okay. um, and just like sleep the day away and then you come back the next day and yeah and I, I put quotes around that 24 hours down because your relief in the morning is never on time yeah <laughs> once once your relief gets there you still have to go back to base camp and resupply and do all the that sort of stuff uh-huh and then your your uh your cheap hotel is not guaranteed to be anywhere close to you Oh, so geez, it could yeah. be like another hour to two hour drive away. Wow. So by the time you get there, it could be like one o'clock. And then you just have from one o'clock till, you know, whenever you have to get up in the morning just to drive back to base camp and be there by 7 a.m. Totally. So it's not a full 24 hours off, but yeah. it works. It's better than no rest. Uh, but going back, it's nice if they could get you off of that rotation after two weeks, right? That's crazy that didn't always work um my my longest stint was 32 days wow yeah so there was like this mentality that is starting it's starting to be broken in the fire service but it's not it's it's still kind of there but Mm -hmm. it's the mentality of if, if you're not sick injured or like have some insane like family emergency Mm -hmm. like we're not gonna let you off like totally you're, you're you're good to go doesn't matter totally. like your your men- mental capabilities or like mm-hmm. your you know the, the stress that you're feeling yeah we're just gonna like keep you out here indefinitely yep um so that was like another part of that like bs that i was talking about is just mm. like zero autonomy in those situations too mm-hmm. yeah just like a huge like unreasonable demand being placed on a people considering like the type of work you're doing considering the amount of time that it takes but no i totally it's that it's it's really that old way of thinking kind of i mean in the workplace it used to be like that too where it's like oh if you're yeah if you just got like a little flu or whatever like you better come you better show up to work still like it's like just like that whole idea of like if you're not dying then like you should be working it's the whole like just rub some dirt on it, you're good. Which yeah. like it that does work to a certain extent, but like 32 days worth. I mean, come on. Yeah, you know? that's crazy. Like, yeah. So uh, all these things, yeah, you started realizing all these things, and then you're like, yeah. okay, I don't really know if I want to be doing this. Yeah, because like um at that time I I had started to sustain injuries, like I had dislocated my shoulder a few times. I was uh getting like low back pain like knees were you know from all the hiking that we're doing my knees were starting to go like all these things and like i'd always even as far back as like high school and early college i had always had this idea of 
the future that I wanted, you know, mm-hmm. with, with, uh, time spent with a future wife and totally. like having kids and being able to like show up to soccer practice and like do all these kinds of things like with my family. Yeah. And like firefighting as amazing as it is, it also isn't really conducive to that. Definitely not. Yeah. I, I had so many coworkers who were either divorced or separated or mm-hmm. like all these things. And like that, that happens even outside of fire. So like, I mean, mm-hmm. it's still a thing, but it just seemed like the rates were just that much higher is what it seemed like. And that, that wasn't what I wanted for my future. Like in terms of, you know, my personal family life. Um, Definitely. But then another thing that also kind of pushed me away from fire is like one of the things that I really loved about healthcare was being able to interact with people. Right. Mm-hmm. And spending time getting to know them, trying to figure out what's going on with them and then trying to help them through a problem. And with emergency medical services, like you show up and sometimes the person's unresponsive. Sometimes like the paramedics show up right after you and they're doing everything mm-hmm. and you're just kind of like assisting. So it wasn't really the kind of, you know, care that I wanted to be giving people, like the way that I wanted to interact with people. Cause it was very, instantaneous it was very like okay you're good enough to be transported go mm-hmm. it wasn't like okay let's try to figure this out i'm going to help you from here to here to here totally it was just package them up and i'll never see you again kind of yeah thing. unless they were like a repeat caller kind of thing but you know so realizing those two aspects of this isn't what i really want to do this isn't the life that i want in the future like those kind of pushed me away from fire. Dang. So what was it? How did you, how did you come up with physical therapy? Partially got lucky that I have friends who like at the time were going through physical therapy school or okay. had just graduated. Uh, so okay. they were, I kind of looked at what they were doing. I was like, yeah, I could be interested in that. Mm-hmm. Um, also reflecting on, my experience at Cal Poly, even though I was totally. more, more focused on the social at the time, I still, I had all those classes. I still, I had an internship doing cardiopulmonary rehabilitation. Mm-hmm. And I absolutely loved that, that, that internship almost made me change, you know, my career focus at that time. Yeah. I, I felt like it was a little too late. Cause that was my last year at Cal Poly that I had that. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, dang it. I'd have to restart, you know, at that moment in my life, but totally. Um, yeah. So like seeing those, um, like my, my friends who were going through it, uh, remembering, you know, the experiences that I had previously had, mm-hmm. um, I was like, okay, I should at least check it out. Yeah. Right? And, uh, one of my buddies, um, who was in, he was in a program in Oakland at Samuel Merritt. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he got me set up to, to shadow at a place that he used to be a tech. Nice. Um, and so I was doing that on my days off while I was firefighting. So I'd, I'd go do my, my fire gig. And then on my, my days off, I would, you know, go to the outpatient orthopedic clinic and, and shadow mm-hmm. and volunteer. So, uh, that kind of just sealed it. Like I, I loved that setting. Um, and then I decided to move to Arizona, um, Cause my, my girlfriend is working on her PhD at the university of Arizona. So in Tucson. Okay. And so I decided to move to Tucson with her. And while I made that move, um, I decided that I want to try other settings for physical therapy. I knew that I wanted mm-hmm. to kind of like aim towards physical therapy. It hadn't been like fully solidified yet, but yeah, that was the direction that I was going. Yeah. And so I, I got a, a job, like a tech job at a, inpatient rehabilitation hospital okay and i just fell in love yeah that was that was just amazing like that's awesome we had a the our our typical patients were you know in the geriatric population Mm -hmm. uh uh traumatic brain injuries uh, spinal cord injury like uh pretty much the entire gamut of what you would expect in an inpatient rehabilitation clinic and i loved it like yeah it was just so rewarding like to show up and see individuals who you know hadn't walked 
for weeks for whatever their condition was and to like be part of the team that helped them take their first steps, you know, just like, that's so good. Yeah. So I, I definitely, that, that completely solidified it. And then I would just start working even more towards your PT program from there. Yeah, man, that is so awesome. Yeah. I feel like I remember the first time I worked in a, like a clinic cause I was kind of the same way. Like when I was an undergrad, I had like heard about physical therapy. I was like, Oh, okay. Like that, that sounds kind of cool. But then when you actually go in and you experience it, that's when it's like, okay, yeah, I knew I, that's when I knew that, that that was for me. And that's, that's a really cool, like way that you ended up doing it too. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, definitely rewarding. Super. At least. Yeah. So, uh, so you started working and so now you're just, you're getting some hours, uh, built up and then, so you're, you're, and then you're just going through like, what else were you, so what were you doing at this time to kind of get ready to apply? Like, what else were you doing? Uh, so at, at the time I hadn't been in school for, let's see, five years at that point. So mm -hmm. Um, I wasn't sure if my prerequisites were going to be accepted everywhere. And there, if you, if you've ever done the, the application process to physical therapy school, like, you know, that some places require them within like three years, some mm -hmm. require them within seven, some within 10, some don't really have a requirement. Uh, so I, in order to not, or to um, try to maximize the places that I could apply to, I, uh, also was taking classes at the junior college to like knock out those prereqs yeah. um, and like retake some of them and, and do all that. Mm -hmm. um, fortunately, AT still uh, doesn't have a deadline um, for their prereqs. Okay. Um, yeah. So like I, I was able to apply here without, you know, I mean, I had to take a few that I hadn't taken in undergrad, but I didn't have to like retake things. Nice. Not necessarily. I still did because like, I wasn't sure um, yeah. if, if I get into AT still, and if, you know, there are other programs that I'd have to, you know, prep for and take all these classes for. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I was just taking classes and, and working. And that was, that was kind of it in terms of my prep for, for uh, the, the program. Yeah. What other, were you only looking at AT still or were you looking at other schools here? Arizona. Um, AT still was my, my primary focus, uh, for, for a few reasons. Like one, uh, I, I wouldn't have to retake a billion prereqs, you know, yeah, so totally. that was, you know, save, save a little money there, save some time also. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was a, a huge focus that the other thing is like the proximity to Tucson. Um, mm -hmm. like, as I said, my girlfriend is working on her PhD here. So like, it's only an hour and a half, two hour drive. Yeah. Um, comparative to like if I was out of state or even the other schools in the other programs in, in Arizona are still further away. Yeah. Um, so like it, it was an easy top decision for me. Uh, mm -hmm. but there are definitely like other programs that I was looking at, like in California, Washington, kind of like all over the place that mm -hmm. I'd be interested in, but they just weren't my, my sole focus. Yeah. I feel you. Um, yeah. Yeah. So what was, uh, what was that application process like for you? Cause uh, it's, it's a very complicated, not always straightforward and a lot of little details that you got to include. Yeah. So y'all might hate me for this, but I, I didn't think it was that bad. Yeah. Um, partially, partially like, let me, let me preface all that. Well, I guess not preface, but you know, post face all that saying mm -hmm. that, I, I chose early decision with AT still Okay, cool. uh, because like that was my clear cut number one. Right. And when you choose early decision through PTCAS, you're only working on one application. You yeah. can't work on the application for anyone else until you've heard back from that university. So mm -hmm. like if you don't get into that university, whenever they decide that, then you can start applying to other places. So I only had to do one application. I, I did my AT still. Um, like the day that the day that PC cast opened up, I started working on it and I got mm -hmm. it in as soon as I could. Yeah. Um, and then 
I got the the email from them or the notification saying, hey, you've been selected for an interview. I went and did the interview. And then a couple of days later was the email saying, congratulations. Like, yeah. you made it in. So it, in terms of the things that you have to do on PTCAS, it's very meticulous. There's a lot of like little details that you have to pay attention to. But uh, in terms of overall application, uh, fortunately, it wasn't... <laughs> wasn't too too hectic for me um, yeah compared no, to like I, i've heard nightmare stories from like listening to to your podcast and like <laughs> listening to like friends who've gone through the process like it's it's a nightmare sometimes yeah um, so <laughs> I, I, I got really i was really fortunate i will i'll just throw that out there i got i got very fortunate with that no that's awesome that's awesome uh yeah. i mean when it comes down to it yeah it is it's really straightforward um i think oh I think, well, at least for me, it was like, I had never gone through like the process of like using like a centralized application system mm-hmm. before. Yeah. Um, there was just like, it was just like the hard part was just like me figuring it out on my own, I think. And yeah. also just like that pressure of like wanting it to be absolutely perfect, you know? So I think Definitely. a lot of, a lot Definitely. of the stress was probably self-induced. Um, yeah, I, like no, I agree that. there. Like, there's definitely like that pressure on yourself to get it all done. But uh, that is something that you're 100% right. Like trying to figure out PTCAS on your own, like that. It's, it's a tricky website because there are so many different pages that you can get lost in, right? Mm-hmm. And there's so many different like, to do lists to do within mm-hmm. that. And so, like, it is very very complex. I, I'm just saying that it, I was fortunate that I only had to do it for one university and not multiple because yeah, like, totally. I, I can't even imagine trying to do it for multiple. Like I would get lost just in my, my, uh, my mental checklists of, you know, did I do this for this program, but not for this yeah. one, or, you know? Totally. So like, it's, it's very, it, it is a complex system. That is for sure. Yeah. So, okay. So when did you, when did you find out that you got accepted? Um, it was pretty soon after I did the interview. I think, I think we did the interviews in August. Okay. Yeah, because we because with early decision they they do everything like super fast because mm-hmm. you know they have to give you time to be able to apply elsewhere if you don't get in right. Mm-hmm. So I think I did my interview in August of was it 2019 or well when was that? I don't I don't. I remember. think yeah, it's it would been, be 2019. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, my brain's so fuzzy these days. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So did the interview and then it was, it was like within the same week. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was awesome. pretty, pretty quick turnaround. That's awesome. And then, okay. So now you're at the point where you're like, okay, I'm accepted into the school. And, but so you're also, you're, so you're living in Tucson and the school is in Mesa. It's about an hour and a half mm-hmm. to two hours away. Um, what was, what was kind of, what was your mind going through? Like, as you were like, preparing to transition into starting school again and also living far away relatively. Yeah. What was, what was going through your mind? Uh, so the, the original plan was actually for me to move up right away. Like I was mm-hmm. originally going to move to to Mesa at the start of the program, but mm-hmm. you know, when, when the pandemic hit and we decided and the university made the statement saying that they're only going to be in person one day per week for labs. Mm-hmm it didn't make sense for me like financially or like in terms of my relationship uh, with my girlfriend, like it didn't make sense for me to spend all that time away to only be on campus one day per week when driving it's, it's only one and a half to two hours. Like I was driving four hours for, for firefighting. So like one and a half to two hours doesn't seem like much. Yeah. Um, And like, I was still able to, you know, make that drive, do everything in lab and then come back and still be able to work like, yeah. on, you know, on my studies. So, mm-hmm. um, so in terms of prepping for, for, um, you know, that transition, I, the original plan was for me to move. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, that didn't work out. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have, I have moved to sense though. So I moved yeah. up two week, two weekends ago. Okay. Yeah. Closer to school weekend. now or yeah. Yeah. I'm now up in Mesa. Nice. Okay. Now, now we decided to be on campus a little bit more often. And I'm mm-hmm. also, uh, I'm also part of the, we have a, 
pro bono occupational physical therapy clinic. Yeah. So I'm also on the board for that, helping out. So trying to be on yeah. campus more often. Okay. So tell us about that real fast. Like, tell us about what um, your involvement is in the board. Oh, okay. So the, the occupational and physical therapy clinic, um, it's a pro bono clinic where members of the community can come in and they can get uh, seen by second year students um, working underneath uh, a, a licensed physical or occupational therapist. Uh, so usually one of the faculty or adjunct faculty. Um, and then we also have first years who go in and observe so they can start to get some hands-on experience as well. Um, what I do with the board is I, 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 I help with like the scheduling of like the students and mm -hmm. the faculty to try to get that all set up, you know, block by block mm -hmm. so that, um, so that hopefully everyone can get on the schedule, get some experience. Yeah. Um, and also to like kind of advertise it to the faculty who may not know about it also, mm. uh, to try to get them involved as well. Yeah. Um, so there's that. And then we also, my position also works on like the policies and procedures. So, um, like any of the, that sort of paperwork stuff, which totally. is kind of the, kind of the boring side, but yeah, yeah. no, still, yeah, still is important. Yeah. Yeah. The fine print. Yeah. <laughs> no, those spots fill up fast. Um, yeah, yeah, Definitely. very fast, but yeah. no, it's cool. I actually, I had the opportunity to go and shadow, um, last semester and, it was really awesome for me because it was, it kind of like reminded me of why I'm in school and like actually like being when you're actually working with someone else, it's like, Oh yeah. Okay. This is what physical therapy is. It's not like studying in the books. It's not, it's like, you're actually going to be working with people and like, yeah, definitely. It was a great reminder and like refresher for me. Just be like, okay, this is the reason why I'm grinding through school right now. Yeah. Especially with the, you know, the, the environment that we're in right now being primarily online and not really getting that clinical experience mm -hmm. that, you know, if it wasn't pandemic times, you know, that we would be getting, yeah. it's really easy to, to lose that focus of like, okay, this is, you know, why I'm doing this. And that's, I'm really glad that, that you know, it was a good reminder for you for like, okay, I get to see patients. This is, yeah. this is what I'm doing. This is why I'm here. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's really important. And I'm, I'm happy that that worked out for you for that. Yeah, no, me too. I needed that. Um, and then, so yeah, kind of like going back to what you were just saying, like, what is like school been like for you so far? Like with all of, with the pandemic, with like, we're online most of the time now, like what was your, like, what were you going through? Like these first couple of weeks of school? It is a huge adjustment. Um, totally. Like, especially so beyond just pandemic online stuff, like I hadn't really been taking classes since 2013, mm -hmm. you know? So like, I mean, I'd taken some prerequisites, but I was only taking two to three classes at a time for those, like trying to build up, you know, pre AT still pre application kind of phase. Yeah. Um, but that's nothing compared to grad school coursework. Right. Yeah. So it was a huge adjustment. It was, it was like, okay, okay, there's, there's a lot to, there's a lot to remember. There's a lot to study. There's a mm -hmm. lot to, you know, keep my eye on, you know, the ball for this class. Got to keep my eye on the ball for this class. Yep. You know, it was just, there's a lot all at once, but I think what's important is just keeping in mind, like the strategies that you've used before, being able to adapt them to like the current situation. And then uh -huh. like, being willing to tweak that strategy in terms of, you know, if it's not working, change your plan of attack and see if mm -hmm. that works, you know? And that's, yeah, that's kind of how I, uh, this, this might not be the right way to say it, but I like fumble my way through, you know, the first totally. semester is just, like, totally. I, I didn't fumble my way through, but like, that's how I kind of like, okay, if this works, I'm going to stick with it. And then if this doesn't work, I'm going to try this, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I can say I did something very similar. I would kind of just like, nah, <laughs> I kind of just like figured it out as I was going, you know, like, because mm -hmm. we came out like, we came out guns blazing that first, first semester um, yep. back in July. Like we just like, there was, I mean, the first day, the first class we had was just like 
the syllabus or whatever, but like we were hitting content right off the bat. And so you really didn't have like a lot of time to adjust. You kind of just did it Mm -hmm. and just like went through it. And at least for me, like just figured it out, figured out better strategies on how to handle all the material. Like as I was going through it, mostly by figuring out things that wasn't working for me. <laughs> That's how I figured out the things that it would lead me to the things that would be working. Um, hey, that's that's one way to learn. You know, that's a really important way to learn is like figuring out what doesn't work. So, totally. Like, totally. Nothing um, wrong with that. No. Yeah. Um, what? Yeah. It's uh, it's been an experience for sure. Um, yeah. But I mean, now because like now we're in our spring term and I definitely do feel like I have like now that we have that fall like full term under our belts like I feel a lot better in this term now I feel like I have like a better process like the workload is still a lot but like I feel like I'm able to manage it a lot better which is good you know um How do you how do you feel about this having completed a full semester now? How do you feel about this spring term now? Uh, I both agree and disagree with what you said. Yeah. <laughs> uh, partially because like yeah, it, I I've gotten into the swing of of grad school and I like I have my routine set up and all I have to do like block by block is kind of tweak that routine to fit the current situation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but for whatever reason, it seems like this block is just so vastly different from, you know, the fall. Yeah. Like we have different professors who have different ways of doing things mm-hmm. and uh, like, it's completely different content. Um, yeah. Cause like we, we had a lot of back-to-back classes in the fall. Um, and so even though the classes this spring, like build off of those foundational classes, mm-hmm. uh, it's still like the content applied in a different way definitely Um, so like yeah so like i i do agree that like i like i've gotten you know into the swing of things a little bit easier but it's just still something in the back of my mind trying to like figure out how the semester is going to work exactly is that's that's still what i'm working on right now totally totally and uh yeah don't get me wrong like i'm definitely (laughs) in no way (laughs) saying that i am like perfected uh this whole process um the the content this semester is definitely different though um i feel like now that first term was a lot of foundational stuff and now we're getting into more of the application of the knowledge we're starting to introduce like you know the examination procedures and actually using the the knowledge that we learned from last semester and like putting it to use so definitely um yeah, no, I can sense that uh, that feeling as well. Um, yeah, exactly. It's all it's all really exciting. It's like fun stuff to be to be learning and going through. It's just mm-hmm. it's just different. That's all. No, totally, totally. Um, yeah, is there? Because uh, I know this semester we have our like comprehensive practical, and that's going to be yeah quite a beast. That is a beast. Yeah, that's going to be it's going to be interesting. Uh, for those of you listening who are in our program, start studying now. Yeah. Like, start start working on those skills now. For real. And like, honestly, this episode is probably going to be released like in a few weeks. So like, hopefully like they're doing start, it right Start studying now. a few weeks ago. Start yeah. studying a few weeks ago. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, man. Yeah. This has been like a really good, you got a crazy story. Like you have a crazy <laughs> path that led you here. Um, yeah. That's yeah. really cool. I guess just to like kind of wrap things up. So if you were maybe talking to your past self, like through the process of applying and trying to get into PT school or really like anybody who's just interested in physical therapy, like maybe they, they don't really know about it or like, they're just wondering if they should, like what kind of advice would you give to someone who's maybe in that situation of like wanting to apply, wanting to get into PT school so if you're if you're wanting to apply, wanting to get in, um, I'd say patience. Like, mm. don't get me wrong, nose to the grindstone, get your work done, but be patient with the process. Know that you know there's a lot of details that if you rush through, like you might miss something. Um, and like 
programs. I had this wasn't my experience, but I, I heard from people who've done this podcast before or like from friends that you know sometimes programs don't get back to you right away. Mm-hmm. Like it, it does take time and just to have that, you know, that that patience to realize that you know it's not always on your time. Yeah. You know? And it, it will happen. You just gotta, you know, nose to the grindstone, but be patient. Hey, that's yeah. some great advice right there. Um, yeah. And then, okay. So for anybody who's in PT school right now, um, maybe even your past self at the beginning <laughs> of when school started, um, what would you, what would you tell them? I'd say work on it, work on yourself, like work on your routines, Ooh. like be adaptable. Like if you can get a good game plan of like the things that you want to accomplish day by day, week by week, that sort of thing. And then just like look at your your week and adapt it to the content that's coming at you, adapt it to, you know, any outside of school like obligations that you have. Like be adaptable, but set up something, some sort of routine or structure or whatever you want to call it that's going to allow you to be successful. And yeah, just just be adaptable with it too. Cause like life is unexpected you know there's there's things that are going to come at you and you just won't know you know what exactly you need to do about it but if you have that flexibility it'll make it a lot easier dude that's so good be adaptable everybody (laughs) thank you josh thank you for sitting down and talking with me man this was like this was so good um thank you for sharing your story and you i think you gave a lot of really good insights to everyone who will be listening to this. So I appreciate you. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for having me on, on the show. I appreciate it. Yes. Wow. That was awesome. Big thank you to Josh for sitting down and sharing his story with me. And another big thanks for everyone that continues to listen and support the podcast. I super, super appreciate you all. Please share the podcast with anyone who might be interested Remember to check me out every Wednesday for new episodes. And yeah, hope y'all are doing well. Stay safe out there. 